Thanks for listening to the Q&A podcast from River's Edge Church in Spokane, Washington. For more information or to gather with us on Sundays, visit our website at respokane.org. We hope this message is impactful for you and others as we pursue the way of Jesus together. Welcome back to uh, part two of our mini-series on science and faith. Uh, my name is Matthew Deason, and I'm here with our in-house science teachers, uh, Kelly Walters and uh, Matthew, whose last name I butchered last time. <laughs> Not the um, first time that's Yeah. How do you say your last name? It's just Kroskri. Kroskri. Yeah. Okay. Got it. And I said Kraus- Krauski, I Something think, last like time. Yeah, yeah. Um, Heard that so, which was before. very yeah insensitive of me, but not necessarily <laughs> new. Where does that come from? Uh, we think Welsh, but there's been Welsh. a couple different sort of theories of how it's changed over the years. I'm not sure which one's right. Yeah. Have but... you met other people with your last name? Um, I haven't met them, but I've heard of oh, others that aren't other. actually too far away that I don't know the relation to, but I'm sure it doesn't. You don't have to look that far back, probably. But... Yeah. Awesome. Well, um, great to have uh, both of you guys here. If you're joining us for the first time, this is part two of what will likely be a four-part series on uh, science and faith. And uh, all of it, this sort of mini-series on science and faith, sits within uh, a larger conversation that we're having uh, as we journey together as a community through the scriptures, cover to cover in one year. So we're, we're covering the whole Bible in a year on Sundays. We've made a number available for people to text in questions, and we get enough questions about uh, science and faith and the opening pages of Genesis and how it all fits together that we thought we would sort of uh, take the plunge, that we would just dive a little bit deeper and really take that subject head on and do it justice and maybe go a little bit deeper than um, these conversations typically go when they're just had in passing and certainly deeper than we'd be able to go on a Sunday. And so uh, we kicked it all off last episode where we uh, share our personal stories Mm-hmm. of how we became uh, passionate about science, of how we became passionate followers of Jesus, and and how that all fit together and sort of living in that tension. And we uh, noted that there's certainly a cultural perception that the two don't fit together well, that science and faith don't um, fit together well. And there's sort of this uh, stigma floating around uh, that if you have faith in God, well, then you must have uh, committed intellectual suicide, or you put your head in the sand, you know, if you've turned to faith and you're, you're turning your back on science. And then on the flip side, uh, you kind of have a stigma going the other way, that if you're committed to science uh, and, and kind of believing all that science has to say, then surely you must have uh, forsaken God and an accurate reading of scripture. And uh, surely you can't live in both worlds. And so that's stereotyping a bit, but you kind of uh, have those stigmas floating around. And no matter who you are, uh, most people sense that there's a tension between science and faith and assume that you can't be committed to both at the same time. And I think this shows up all over the place. I'm just on the drive over here. I saw one of those license plates Mm-hmm. where in you know kind of the license plate wars where there was yeah. like mm-hmm. the jesus fish and then you know they yeah. take the jesus fish and write darwin in the middle right. of it and there's legs it's on the legs. fish yeah. and so i was yes. behind one of the, the darwin <laughs> yes. legged fish yes. on my way over here and just reflecting on how those you know have if evolved if i can use that word <laughs> right. uh, yeah. o- over time very nice um, and uh, but it kind of shows up all over right yeah. since our last recording uh westboro baptist uh, church Mm -hmm. was actually here in town in Spokane uh, protesting outside of uh, an environmental educators uh, convention. And so you had these like science teachers in downtown Spokane looking out the window at these like angry Christian protesters that are out there and thinking like, why, why are you guys here? You know, what are we doing that's so offensive to you? Uh, And even remarking on some of the comments you guys have received over the years, Mm -hmm. not necessarily hostile, but hey, how does that work? You know, Mm -hmm. which world do you really uh, live in? And so uh, what I want to do in exploring that tension is uh, my hope is to have uh, a future episode on kind of the age of the earth and more of the the physics side and and all of that. I think it'd be good to have an episode on a kind of evolution and the dawn of humanity. But before we even get to that, I think it'll be worth it for us uh, to explore some of the historical tension 
that we sense between where, where so we, we look around the modern day even you know last couple of days you get these snapshots of huh there seems to be this tension there where does that come from so kind of rewinding if we look a thousand years back in history if we look 500 years back in history if we look 50 years back in history there have been significant develops that developments mm -hmm. that have happened that have kind of affected the relationship between uh, science and faith or the, the tension that we perceive uh, between the two. So I want to explore that a bit. Mm -hmm. uh, and so to, uh, to sum up, let's say in, in 30 seconds, if we sum up church history, um, you have uh, the Israelites who are, are following um, Yahweh or the creator God, uh, ultimately looking forward to this Messiah who is to come. And um, that's Jesus. And so Jesus shows up on the scene. Uh, he's crucified uh, and buried in a tomb. And then he's resurrected from the dead. He appears to people in his resurrected body. Mm -hmm. And uh, the scriptures have all sorts of stuff to say about the significance of those events. But in the wake of that, what we see is this explosive movement that kind of starts with a few men and women uh, in and around Jerusalem and just explodes outward. Uh, around the world. And, um, and and there's a ton that we could say about church history, but most significantly, I think what will kind of emerge in this conversation is that within the Roman Empire, there's hundreds of years of kind of resistance and uh, the, the slaughtering of Christians. And then all of a sudden, uh, the Roman Empire adopts Christianity as its uh, core religion. And from there forward, I think on the European continent, you, you see Christianity kind of dominates the, a lot of the cultural landscape. Uh, and I think that'll be important as we kind of explore the roots of it. And so that's the 32nd church history version. Uh, people have been following Jesus for thousands of years, proclaiming that he's back from the dead and that they've encountered him. Um, and what about the science side? Let's talk about that. So that's the church history side. Where, where does science emerge where, where does it start i'll jump in in here because mm -hmm. uh, i and i'm not a history uh expert i, I actually majored in science so so but um <laughs> in, in studying this issue and especially faith and science issue i've you've read read a little bit about the development of science and and it's it's interesting because a case could be made that science at least the, as we see it now um would not have uh come into existence without the the um, world view that that Christianity brought. So, so if we go back, you said a thousand years, Yeah, we're talking, um, uh, 1018, okay. go back a thousand years <laughs> and you, and there would be no science. Okay. And the, the closest thing we would have would be, um, models of, of the world of how it worked, um, which would be, have been influenced at least in Western culture by the Greeks. Mm -hmm. Okay. And so uh, there was um, some some things that you could say led to science in terms of um, believing in in logical uh, reasoning, logical okay. thought. So rather than just uh, believing in the authoritative view of the stories of your elders or that your past or whatever, mm -hmm. um, there's a belief that you you should be able to reason things out. And and with Aristotle and 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 um, and others um, that that were leaders in that um, period in the Greek, um, you know, uh, before, well before that, the idea was that just by reasoning alone, you should be able to deduce mm -hmm. from observation and reasoning, we should just be able to deduce, deduce things. Mm -hmm. um, that wasn't science exactly, right. but it was a it was a dependence on on logical thought. Mm. Uh, yeah, you see I, how that lays some of the foundation. Yes. for what yeah, models. I think that's yeah. kind of the start of what you could call natural philosophy, mm -hmm. which was kind of the first term for science, even into the days of Isaac Newton, which I'm sure we'll get to. Mm -hmm. um, he was a natural philosopher, uh, in a sense where you know his his books that he wrote included that in the title. Mm -hmm. So it was just that idea that you could reason right. about nature and... Uh, so you almost have this philosophy and logic now being applied to what can we discover about the natural world and deduce from it. Is yeah, right, sort of to some degree, right, to some degree. Um, yeah. but, the, but what was missing is an emphasis on, at that point, that there is a um, intelligence behind it. It was like, we look at our world, we, we, they saw order, and they thought there should be order. I mean, there was order... Uh, believe that there's order, be, believe that there's kind of this this beauty of how things should happen. Mm -hmm. Whereas uh, the Christian view was that there's a mind right. behind all this. 
it wasn't just inherently, let's say, beautiful because it just has to be. That was what right. the Greeks would have thought. Mm -hmm. But there must be, there's an intelligence, a creator God that created order mm -hmm. and that had purpose to it. So that is an element that wasn't perhaps thought before. Nature had been designed by the same uh, mind that had designed the human mind. So the early scientific uh, scientists assumed that nature was in, um, intelligible and that could be understood by the human intellect. Um, and so we should be able to, so, so the jump was now we should be able to look at nature and, and observe it. And from there, then be able to deduce the the principles and laws that would come out. Mm -hmm. I'll let you guys share and I've got some other things I can bring in here. Yeah, kind of my understanding of sort of what you might call the history of scientific thought is, you know, back to Aristotle, he was sort of the uh, seen as the authority mm -hmm. of of philosophy. Mm -hmm. And so when he okay. applied that to the natural world, uh, he he did just sort of reason to what he thought the world ought to behave like. Okay. Um, so, for example, his explanation of why things fall was, well, objects sort of want to rest on the earth. Right, come because, back to the earth. Because the earth is the natural resting point. It's the center oh, okay. of the universe. Okay. It's the center of purpose and all these things. Right. So um, there was no uh, real why behind it except almost axiomatically, meaning just taken as an assumption mm -hmm. that things are ordered and things are, you know, these perfect circles mm -hmm. and when mm -hmm. we can find them and things like that. Um, and then when uh, Kelly brought up Ptolemy and astronomers in general, they were some of the first to really add data to the picture okay. and say, okay, well, these are our, our models. These are our explanations of the natural world. Let's actually collect the data and see how that all fits. And I think what was missing for them is the data, even though it was really difficult to try and fit them into the model, they still held on to the model. They said, well, oh, it's still circles. We, right. we know right. that. Well, why do you know that? Well, because circles are great, yeah. right? Like that's <laughs> what it would come back to. Okay. Um, and so it wasn't until, um, I couldn't give you the exact date, but you know, as, as modern science sort of started to take shape with folks like uh, Newton and Galileo and these guys mm -hmm. that they would actually say, well, if the data aren't fitting the model we have, then perhaps we should adjust the model, adjust the model yeah. right? Okay. And and say that there's someone else, you know, to, to, again, kind of dovetail from what Kelly was saying, there's a creator to this that mm -hmm. designed it with its purpose that it right. had in mind. We can't just assume necessarily what that is. Right. right. So you sort of have this, this Greek, uh, in talking about the origins of science, yeah. Uh, mm -hmm. Not that any of us are experts, but you kind of have these sure. Greek ideas about kind of logic and, and beauty and order. Right. What things but then you have the Judeo-Christian idea that, no, there's an intelligent creator behind the universe, right. and thus things should be intelligible. Yes. Mm -hmm. Right? And so... And then we can discover what those what those things are, how it works, by observation. Mm -hmm. okay. And by and by um, collecting data and so forth. And then a huge jump was, I think, this, and it probably coincided... Um, with um, with the uh, printing press and with the the word of God becoming um, you know widely the, becoming widely available to people mm -hmm. with this idea that we so so rather than just a few people who um, who were um, priests or so or who have been you know trained in languages who could read mm -hmm. the manuscripts or something now you had many people who mm -hmm. um, who could um, learn about God's word so so at that time. The idea started to come into the, I think, the the consciousness of of people in Western culture, and particularly the these people who wanted to learn more about nature, um, that that just as God designed laws for mankind to follow, like the Ten Commandments and so forth. Totally, there's it, a moral moral there's, laws. There's, in the there's moral laws, yeah. so there must be the same God, the same mind. Right. Must have laws out there, laws of motion, mm -hmm. laws of how the planets work, laws yeah. of how um, how things, uh, how chemicals um, react together, whether mm. there must be principles. Right. So rather than just going and observing and um, hoping to uh, find, uh, you know, consistency and observation, but that they were literally looking, early scientists were literally looking for laws, believing that they've got to be discovered, almost like there's a, there's, um, you know, there's a great scripture in Psalm um, 19 that says the heavens are telling the glory of God. And then later on the, in, the, um, in the Psalm, it talks about the word of God. And so I think there's this idea that 
that the universe is telling, declaring these principles, these ways that can be discovered. We just haven't discovered them yet. Mm-hmm. It's like almost so, the Ten Commandments are somewhere. If we go up on the mountain, look carefully, we will be able to discover the tablets kind of a thing. Yeah. So this is a, a terrible analogy that's just come <laughs> to my mind as you're talking. So full disclaimers. But the image that I got, silly as it sounds as you're talking, is almost like I've discovered an Easter bunny. <laughs> Therefore, I think there must be Easter eggs hidden in the universe. Is, is that sort of this, this like I found this, there's this mind, right. this being that I've encountered. Right. And I actually, it actually gives me faith that the Easter eggs are hidden. I'm going to go and look for right. these things because I know that there's this mind behind the universe right it, does that kind of fit a little bit in... I, I think so that um that there's there's these laws that can be discovered mm-hmm. if we just look for them and the way we're going to find them is not by the aristotle idea of mm-hmm. of kind of making assumptions of what would seem to make sense but we can look at the evidence that's already out there the heavens are telling the glory of they're declaring mm-hmm. it says yeah. the glory of god so I'm going to I'm going to cut us off here. I'm realizing as we're talking about this that you guys know way more about this. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, more than I do, but also yeah. more than we could ever fit yeah. into true, a podcast. True, true. And I think we actually have a ton to cover. So I think I'm going to speed us up a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Fair. So here's it's so much fun. Sorry. It is, yeah, it is. But it's going to take us like 3 episodes just to tackle history if we go true. at this rate. Mm-hmm. So, I'll speed us up a bit. Uh, one of the things that I want to address in like the, the two minute version is this idea that that I had. I grew up in sort of this naturalistic, atheistic, secular mindset yeah. uh, that I think a lot of Americans are probably being raised in nowadays. And my perception of church uh, history and, and the history of the church science relationship was basically that uh, religion was sort of brainwashing people, but wanted to keep them faithful to their religion, wanted to maintain power over the mm-hmm. masses almost. And then you had science, which was this light that mm-hmm. was like trying to burst forth. Mm-hmm. This is how the narrative goes. This yeah. light was trying to break forth, but the church was there every step of the way to snuff it out because science would, you know, liberate the people or conflict with church teaching. And so uh, when you look back, then, oh, well, didn't the church, you know, uh, persecute Galileo and say that the earth, maintain that the earth was the center of the universe mm-hmm. and, you know, like kill, you know, drag these people out as heretics and ki- kick them out of the out of the church uh, for their scientific findings. And so that version of the last, I'm not talking about the last 50, but I mean like over Mm -hmm. the last thousand years, Mm -hmm. that sort of, and it's almost this image of like, oh, by the 17th century, the church was just so weakened that it lost control and boom, science broke loose and uh, it's been trampling on the church ever since. That's sort of the the narrative Mm -hmm. that I grew up with. Um, What, what are your impressions of that as two people who teach science, but, you know, follow after Jesus? What do you see when you look back over the last yeah. thousand years? Do you sense that kind of attention uh, or not? I'm going to let you. I mean, historically, I think a lot of what you said is is accurate. You know, Galileo and the uh, church leaders definitely fought over uh heliocentric model of the universe what uh, which means versus, earth, earth which, is the uh, heliocentric would be sun cent- is oh, the center oh, oh, okay. yeah. of uh the solar system yes me. um versus geocentric which would be earth is the center because mm-hmm. we are the the culmination of god's creation so we must be at the center it's a lot it makes a lot which is kind of like right. an aristotle idea like exactly it should and work that's, that that's way. what's kind of coming yeah. to my head right now is like <laughs> yes. going back to how aristotle sort of said well I can um, reason about what the world or the universe ought to be like, and therefore it simply is, and I have to make everything fit my presuppositions, right? And I think that's human nature. Yeah. If you read Genesis, humanity is presented as sort of the climax of God's creative process. Mm -hmm. So why wouldn't we be in the middle? Yes, exactly. That's the thought. Right. Logically, I should be able to deduce that is the thought. Which the scriptures don't say that. Right. But it makes a lot of sense. So I'll assume that. And if you teach against that, well, then you're now you're church. undercutting the yeah. church. So I think that okay. it's it's human nature to take that position. That these positions that I hold, these ideas that I have, are correct and valid, and they stem from all these other things. So, for yeah. example, the earth must be the center, mm-hmm. because what is important and revealed to us is that humanity was kind of the the culmination of what God created and mm-hmm. and the point of this creation mm-hmm. essentially. So if I if I challenge your conclusion that the earth must be the center, you think I'm challenging 
the authority of scripture, totally. right? And undercuts the entire mm -hmm. thing where it doesn't need to be that. And I think both sides, the church and uh, secular, secular minds have adopted this mindset mm -hmm. throughout this uh, struggle, yeah. historically speaking. And when you you're, hold you're, to you're that, saying both sides have become overly defensive because they're defending not only their core truth, but all of the conclusions that 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 are connected. To right. And right. and maybe not always at the same time, but throughout mm -hmm. the historical struggle, I think both sides have been guilty of that. Yeah. So uh, like to bring it to modern times just for a second, I think that what we run into is that secular idea that um, we can explain everything. Uh, through these natural laws. You don't mm -hmm. need God to explain anything at all. All there is is nature, right? Mm -hmm. And I, th I think that's a flawed assumption, that that's one of these assumptions they make that, well, we don't know yet, and if I can explain something, it means that God did not do it. Right, right. right? When I don't so, think that's correct. So what you're talking about is naturalism, which if we mm -hmm. have time, yeah. we'll touch right. on that later. Yeah. But when we look at history, mm -hmm. um, do you have any other thoughts on like, like hey, we're, like when you look at Galileo, when you look yeah. at Newton, are these like brilliant scientists who were persecuted by the church or where do they fit into the story? Yeah, I, I want to throw in a perspective here. It's kind of like if we look at... Um, uh, you know, Americans, uh, or, or what has America done, or Americans done for the world? You can look at the um, the you know uh, dark dark things that that um, America is responsible for, or for you know Americans um, in exploration, or, or or you know oppression, or whatever. Or you could look at the the beautiful, wonderful things too. There's mm -hmm. two sides to it. Two and sides to American history. Yes, yeah. American history. So in terms of science. Here's some, I think a very important thing to realize, um, has, ha, did the, the church persecute a lot of science, uh, scientists and early scientists? Yes. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, but the church also was persecuting at the same time theologians. Right. The, the whole reformation, there was incredible persecution totally. of Martin Luther and, 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 uh, and others that came after him and before him because they were teaching, um, uh, things that Christians now would, would hold dear and was actually in the scripture because it was a, the church was very corrupt. Mm -hmm. There was church was very, you know, um, very power uh, hungry and was trying to fight for that power and, and, and lots of issues. But the point right. is, is that, yes, the church was persecuting science, uh, to scientists. Mm -hmm. but it was also persecuting the church. The church right. was, you the know. The church was persecuting the, the church. church. right. Yeah, so it doesn't so, mean. So they were equal opportunities persecutors, okay? So, <laughs> so they were fair. And then. Unbiased. Yes, yes. and on the, other, on the other hand, if you look at, okay, on the positive, like, okay, how was church and science related? Well, the, the, the scientists were, the strong right. scientists were, the revolution of science came from the church. And not just like, okay, one guy had an idea, but again and again and again, these scientists were Christians who who wrote like and, and Isaac Newton was one of them was just powerful in in his his I mean his I could think his like preface to his his um his most powerful work was was a whole thing about to the glory of God I don't have the a quote mm -hmm. in front of me yeah so Newton was thoroughly a a theist a yes. believer yes. in the Creator God yeah, and yeah. they and yeah. and their motivation you know and same with Kepler and same with Francis Bacon and same with Boyle and and on and on and on, that their motivation, not just that they happen to be Christians. Right, mm -hmm. right, right. Because that's, that's the other thing. If I can cut you off, yes. that's, the, that's like my my backup argument as yeah. the skeptic yeah. is, well, of course they were Christians because everybody was. The church forced yeah. everyone to be that. So they were reluctantly Christian, but passionately scientists. And what you're yes. saying is when you look at these top names in, in science over the last, uh, over that period of 500 years or whatever, what you're seeing is actually men who were very passionate about both mm -hmm. and whose faith drove them to do science. So was there a period, yes. was there a period of sickness in the church? Yes. As the church, we would look back on our own history and say, absolutely. Because the, the not just the scientists we most respect, but the theologians we most respect were persecuted by the church in, in that time. Yes. Um, but that doesn't mean that there's this sort of permanent underlying tension that uh, can or should persist because you have these great minds who say i'm doing science because the, the narrative is that christianity is suppressing the truth right while right. science pursues the truth yes and what you're saying is no 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 we got to throw all of that out uh, because at the base of it it was these people who had discovered the truth about god 
and were then drawn motivated. or compelled, motivated. motivated to go out and find the truth about creation. Let me read you a quote. This was from Newton. Um, um, Newton suggested, uh, well, first of all, um, before the quote, um, suggested that stability of the planetary system depended not only upon the regular action of universal gravitation, but also upon the precise initial positioning of the planets and comets in relation to the sun. Quote, Though these bodies may indeed persevere in their orbits by the mere laws of gravity, yet they could um, by no means have at first derived the regular position of the orbits themselves from these laws. Um, thus, this most beautiful system of the suns, planets, and comets could only proceed from the counsel and dominion of an intelligent and powerful being. Hmm. So this is his reasoning that's, that's informed by his right. faith. Like it or yeah. not, that's where yeah. he was coming from. And so, and we so, could, many of these we could, so we could run through tons of examples, yes. right? Whether it's Newton or Galileo or uh, Kepler or yeah. some of these other guys you mentioned. Uh, I jotted down a, a few of them as well. Um, Behe? Who, yeah, was the, mm. was the church historian who taught that the earth was round oh, sure. as well as Thomas Aquinas. So you mm. actually yeah. have these church historians right. yeah. very early on. Um, well, like hundreds of years before Columbus... Right. Who are saying, no, we think the earth is round. Uh, you have um, Copernicus, mm -hmm. who wrote that the earth revolved around the sun. Yeah. And um, we kind of say, oh, he's, you know, he was this breakthrough guy uh, outside of the church that came up with this. But then you look where he was taught from. Uh, and it was actually Christian scholars who had developed that model very gradually right. over the course of several centuries. And so... Um, we could we could go on and on with kind of the the names and facts and figures, but when you actually dig into history, you figure out oh no, actually it was there was church historians and Christian scholars who were um, developing a lot of these theories that we then say oh no, the church was trying to cover those up. Yes, um, and so and and another thing that I find kind of remarkable, and then we'll I think we should try and move into the modern yeah. day actually. Mm -hmm. um, but another thing that I I found really striking was that when you look historically at where the sciences have flourished they've really flourished in christian cultures so you look at 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 europe for example and say wow this was a, a very christianized part of the world and this was the place where so many of the sciences emerged and flourished and mm -hmm. and and we don't take that to be an accident we don't take that as the sciences emerged there in spite of the church right. but mm -hmm. rather Let's rewind to church history. If, you know, Nero or one of the, the Roman emperors had slaughtered every last Christian, maybe the sciences would not have emerged as we know them today. And right. so when you um, look around the world, you see, oh, there are, um, you know, places that had uh, alchemy, uh, but only uh, in Christian influenced Europe did we get chemistry. Yes. You have uh, things like astrology all over the world. But only in Europe did it become astronomy. Right. And, and so you have this sort of, be, in, in part because of what you said in yeah. the beginning, if you believe in an intelligent creator mm -hmm. that put everything in motion and, and has hidden these Easter eggs, that there's yes. intelligible <laughs> laws for us to find, mm -hmm. you'll be driven to find them. Mm -hmm. Whereas you look at other cultures and they say, well, no, the world is all an illusion. You know, yes. it's all a dream. And you can get into sort of more Hindu Buddhist examples of, oh, the world is an illusion. It's this disordered chaos. Mm -hmm. Well, there's a reason that science didn't flourish in those cultures. It becomes back to what they fundamentally believed about the world. Right. Right. If you open the pages of Genesis, what you see is, is a God of order and beauty. Mm -hmm. And if you place your faith in that God, well, of course, there's going to be intelligible things for us to discern in the yes. universe. Let's go figure out how God made the universe tick. This is brilliant. Mm -hmm. Versus, yeah. well, the whole world is an illusion and it's my goal to escape or any right. other number of worldviews. Uh, well, and, and, um, and I think that whole thing of motivation can't be um, underestimated because I'm just thinking about what's the purpose of science in, in, you know, in you know, 14, 50, whatever. What's the purpose of science during that period? Now, now we know, oh, science can, can lead to progress. And you get alchemy, trying to create gold from iron or something. You mm -hmm. kind of get that purpose. And like you said, other cultures had that. But yeah. what's the purpose of astronomy? It's not going to do, do us anything. But it means a whole lot if you think that you're discovering who God is. And that, mm -hmm. was, their, that was their motivation. Mm -hmm. so, um, so the um, pure uh, research for the, for the sake of knowledge made sense in a Judeo-Christian 
uh, worldview. Yeah, it brings you closer to that creator because I the references don't come to mind, but the Bible says things like God has uh, fixed the laws of the universe. The the laws that nature obeys uh, are fixed. He holds, mm -hmm. and he also holds it all together. Totally. Yeah. And uh, like you you pointed out, Psalm nineteen it says that the the heavens declare the glory of God. They pour forth speech. They yes. they give us they're, knowledge. They're telling us something. Yeah, yes. exactly. So we can go out and we can actually learn more about God's character or just yeah. the world he's given us and yeah. it brings us closer to it. Right. Yeah. So absolutely. I'm, I'm going to cut you off again. Yeah. Um, we're going to fast forward into the modern day. Okay. So we've, we've dipped in a little bit into history. Okay. We talked about the Greek stuff. We talked about kind of the emergence of, of science. Mm -hmm. We've talked about how science actually flourished, not in spite of Christianity, but we're proposing in because of it yes. and because of the underlying conclusions that it, that that scientific inquiry is undergirded mm -hmm. um, by these very Christian assumptions, and that when you look at many of these, maybe who we call fathers of, of mm -hmm. you know modern science, a lot of them were um, men of incredible faith as well, and mm -hmm. not like reluctant. I'm forced by oppression to go to church kind of people, <laughs> right. but like, no, it's actually this, this uh, inspiring faith that has led me to these places. Mm -hmm. So, but, so we, if, if we say, if we say that, we, let's mm -hmm. leave, if we say that about the last thousand years, that doesn't change the fact, um, that, that doesn't account for the fact that uh, for all of the tension that we see, say in the last 50 years, uh, or even in the last, say the 200 or 300. Mm -hmm. And so I want to zoom in a little more and kind of bring us more up to the modern day. Uh, and one of the things that we have to do is that uh, if, you're, if you haven't been totally lost so far by what we've said and, and you're still listening, I think what, what I, how I would tie that, that last segment off is by saying there is no um, true conflict between science and faith. That they actually infused and informed one another, um, that, that they both worked in perfectly in tandem. Mm -hmm. um, but there is a deep conflict between faith and naturalism. Yes. And I think in our day and age, we cannot separate in our minds science from naturalism. And so I want to try to define what naturalism is for yes, a moment. That's good. And talk about that because this is, I think, where the true conflict comes. Yeah, there was, you know, a, 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 some dark periods in, in the, the ancient church and all of this stuff. But really, when we talk about sort of the, the modern tension, I think it comes down to naturalism. And so naturalism uh, is, is the belief that all phenomenon can be explained in terms of, of presently operating natural causes and laws. Uh, so everything is is determined by natural law. There's the only thing that really exists is what we can observe. It's just physical stuff, matter and, and energy, and matter and energy and atoms. Um, and in naturalism, uh, there's sort of this idea that uh, nothing gave birth to everything. The universe exploded into being, but nothing is is, is sort of responsible for it. Uh, and I wrote down everything is is an epic, purposeless accident. Right. is sort of the idea that, right. wow, this is, this is, you know, an amazing place, but it's all a purposeless accident. Um, and uh, there's nothing beyond kind of the world and its atoms. And, and so within that, you kind of have this idea and that, that belief um, then is sort of melded with science. So if you are into naturalism, and you think, and you're very materialistic in your thinking, you say it's only atoms and molecules and energy. This is all a purposeless accident. I'm starting with that. Well, you're, in order to, to prove that or to bolster your argument, you're going to end up looking to science, right? So they're separate things. Right. The mm -hmm. study of science in no way. So if you study science till you're blue in the face, the argument we would make is that you're actually, and you're open-minded about it, you're actually going to come to faith in the creator God. Uh, if you start with the assumption there is no God and I want to defend naturalism, yes. then you're still going to look to science. And so I think what the, what the, one of the sources of tension is that the naturalist who will, will often use science in an attempt to kind of uh, attack Christianity mm -hmm. almost. Yeah. And so, yes, there was a time in church history, you know, when some people within the church were hostile to scientists, but in the modern day, what you often have is sort of these scientists who, um, or naturalists really, who yeah. want to use science to then 
uh, attack Christianity. And so within this sort of uh, naturalistic worldview, uh, well, first, before I, before I move on into like the very modern day, do you guys have any thoughts about that? Kind of the relationship between naturalism or atheism uh, which and, and science and, and faith? One thought I have is that um, because our, we, are, we are in our modern culture, the science view is so well respected as basically this is how we know things are true. We're not referring to a, uh, an ancient book. We're not, it's not hearsay. It's not what my opinion is. This is mm -hmm. hard fact, um, hard, hard fast fact, uh, and, and theories and so forth that have support. So, um, so which is all, which, which we would, you know, agree that that's, that that's true. Um, but then if you um, jump, which, which a lot of scientists have, jump to, um, to a step of, of believing that um, what we can find in science is all there is, so that's a philosophy. Mm -hmm. That's what you're saying. That's naturalism. It's a right, worldview. Right, right. It's more than a way of knowing. Science is one right. way of knowing, we would say. Right. Mm -hmm. But it's more than one way of knowing. It's an all-encompassing worldview. It's the only it's way. It's the of only way of knowing. Right. Yeah. And because it's so well respected, it, it it's implied and sometimes overtly pushed by science-minded people that there's science. And, and what's assumed is that's what's true. Right. And you can go ahead and believe fairy tales if you want. Yes. But it's outside of truth, mm -hmm. quote truth, because science is the way we know truth. So, so you start with the presupposition that of naturalism, that mm -hmm. all there is is matter and energy. Right. Mm -hmm. And therefore, um, I've eliminated even the possibility of there being a god or a spirit world or something right. else outside of that world. And so um, I, I believe if, if, if Kepler or, or Newton or, or these, um, these fathers of science were in our modern scientific era and they were told that, um, well, obviously you can't believe in God because that's not science, they would do a double take or they would just be shocked. Oh yeah, because what's happened is that the in in in, in part of defending territory and and, and so forth and defending a worldview, um, so the definition of science for many people has changed, mm -hmm. and so so for many scientists are are aggressively almost evangelistic, um, if you will, about their worldview about this about naturalism, and so what they're really um, uh, fighting for is a worldview or a religion of sort in in, in some ways. Um, called naturalism, and so it's more than. But they're they're thinking they're just it's just pure science. Mm -hmm. They're they don't realize that their definition has shifted from what it used to be. Right. And so it's the <laughs> defining of terms that becomes a problem. So it works on on the problem with the church, mm -hmm. and it works on the problem with science too, of mm -hmm. trying to overstate and overreach right. what it's really um, was meant to do. In our opinion. Right. right. Yeah, I would agree for the most part. I think that. Um, science can answer a great deal of questions and like you said it is one way of knowing but if you're only convinced by that sort of argument then you slip into well it's the only way for me to be confident in something mm -hmm. so i don't care about what other questions there might be and that might be what agnostics would say well okay there might be some other questions out there but i can't ever know yes. so i'm not going to bother right totally um, because science is the, I like what you said. I want to yeah. circle in on, like, in on that. Science is the only way right. of knowing something. Yeah, it's the only thing way. that we can trust. Yes. Uh, we can't trust anything outside of it. And so when science would hit that point, now we've got all sorts of tension, right? Yes. Because if science is the is only way yeah. that you can know something and, and the naturalists are saying, yes, you know, science is ours. It proves, you know, yeah. all this stuff. And we'll use it to kind of attack some of these Christian ideas. Well, now you now you get into the modern controversy because if science is the yes. only way of knowing mm -hmm. something, yes. and you can't trust the scriptures, then so so what we've done, and here's maybe where we can end, is that that idea that we live in in, in, a, in a culture that has been so thoroughly shaped by science yes. and the scientific worldview that we now look back through the lens of science to scripture. Right. Um, and I'm going to argue that we actually do that inside and outside of the church. But this is where the tension comes. Because if you say science is the only way mm -hmm. of knowing, 
and we can't trust the truth of scripture, then what that, that, that idea became deeply influential in say 19th century Europe in the church. Mm -hmm. It became, and so what happened is you saw within the church, the way that scripture was interpreted and actually became, and I try and avoid these terms, but actually spawned these very liberal and progressive readings of scripture. And I'm not talking about politics yeah. or who you vote for or anything like yeah. that. I just don't know what other terms to yeah. use. Sure. But it Loose just became this very like yeah. progressive, fluid, fluid interpretation mm -hmm. of scripture. And it became so kind of loose and fluid. And well, now there's these ideas creeping in that maybe the scripture really yeah. is just yeah. fairy tales or just these yeah. ideas made up to Paradise. inspire us. That became this liberal progressive Christianity. Yeah. And it became liberal and progressive enough that it spawned a backlash within the church. There was this counterculture that started within the church uh, that yes. we call fundamentalism. Mm -hmm. And this is where we get into the modern day because science rose and rose to this point where it's the only way to know is through science and we mm -hmm. want to use it to support our naturalistic ideas. Mm -hmm. Then that leaked its way into the church. And now you have this split within the church. People who take right. this 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 very like liberal progressive view of scripture, um, and then people who say, well, no, the reaction against is fundamentalism. So fundamentalism means we're you know the scriptures are absolutely true and literal and and all of this stuff and right. stand on the truth uh, hmm. of that, um, and and that's where you have sort of a lot of the the modern church tension is in that, and and the irony in my mind is that even as a fundamentalist, you still end up reading the scripture through a very modern Western scientific lens. Right. Because if, if I'm a fundamentalist, what I'm gonna do is I'm gonna open up the scriptures and I'm going, one of the mistakes that can be made is that I'm going to assume that it is a scientific textbook right. that is designed to give yeah because yeah. that's the that's the air we breathe mm -hmm. so now i'm opening scripture as a as a bible believing fundamentalist but i'm still in a scientific <laughs> yeah. culture and so i i look to it for scientific information and i think that's where we we get other problems and other layers of tension right. is because i've assumed we have been given Genesis to convey sci concrete scientific information about how the physical world was made and how it right. works. Mm -hmm. And in the process, we end up ignoring uh, the genre that it was written in. And, oh, this is ancient Near Eastern, you know, creation literature. And it's this right. highly structured poetic thing. And it's conveying statements of purpose. And we miss so much of what Genesis is because... We've either let science dominate our view and kind of gone the liberal progressive route and mm -hmm. say, well, science is the only truth, but scripture is just kind of, you know, the Bible is just kind of a fun book to right. read, but we don't really take it literally. And then you have people on the other side saying, we take it very literally, and it is trying to give us scientific information. And both of those camps are heavily, heavily influenced by science, mm -hmm. right? And, and that's... Uh, kind of reacting uh, against that. And I think mm -hmm. that's where some of the more like biblical cultural wars come from. Mm -hmm. And so when when we come to uh, the scriptures, uh, what, what I would say is that uh, Genesis is absolutely true and inspired. And, and we can't really stress that enough. Uh, but we have to, what we have to, to recognize is that in the modern West as Christians, we actually impose our modern Western reading onto the pages of scripture instead of letting the, the scriptures speak for themselves. Okay, so we um, we have to tie this off. Yes. Um, I think uh, one way of concluding is kind of uh, reiterating that there's a difference between science and naturalism. Yes. Right? That, And we can talk about this more in the, in the next episode, yeah. but if you really study science with an open mind, we believe that will make you theist and not atheist, mm -hmm. right? And so... To, to jump into science, I think, should lead you in the theistic creator God, um, ultimately, hopefully, to Jesus. Uh, but we have to separate those out. What, what, mm -hmm. does, uh, what is naturalism and atheism versus what is science? Mm -hmm. And if we can't separate those out, then we're, we're in really bad shape. The, the water is, is muddled at that mm -hmm. point. Um, so that's one of the, the issues on the scientific side. Uh, and then within the church... 
I think that, and we've barely scratched the surface in terms of biblical interpretation, but in recognizing that as we open the pages of scripture, we are so soaked in the worldview of science and, and that it will affect the way that we read those first pages. Cause that's just who we are in the West. We are a scientific culture. So we're looking, is it true or not? But what we really, that's what we're, we're, we're thinking, but what we're really looking, what's underlying that is it scientifically accurate. Right, right, right. As a so, scientifically accurate right. description. As, as we open the scriptures, the yeah. way that science science has almost forced this wedge of saying, like, you have one side saying, well, science is the only way to know truth, and therefore, I think what I'm reading in the scriptures is kind of just metaphor. Uh, and at that point, I would argue, I don't, I don't even know if you can really say that you're Christian at that point. If you mm-hmm. just say, well, this is all metaphor, and it's all just kind of these happy thoughts meant to encourage us along the way. Yes. Um, then you've gone this weird, like, spiritual quasi christian not really that's kind of the liberal progressive route yeah is that we won't really take scripture seriously then the fundamentalist route is to say this is absolutely literal and it's and it's absolute we we have to like stand on the truth of scripture uh, and take it very literally but they're still reading it through this scientific yeah, lens right. uh, and not really acknowledging uh, the Bible necessarily for, for what it is sometimes. And so uh, I would end by saying that the Bible in general, in the book of Genesis in particular, was not written with the intention of being a scientific textbook. Rather, what you're reading in the scriptures is a theological narrative written to reveal the God of creation which means its emphasis is on God and his relationship with humanity and, and not creation. And so what we read in the opening pages is that God is, is the creator, that he's responsible for all of it. Uh, but Genesis is far more concerned with the questions of, of who made creation and why he made creation than exactly what he did. Uh, and I have this quote from Galileo. Uh, Galileo said, uh, the, the Holy Ghost or the Holy Spirit Uh, intended to teach us how to go to heaven, not how the heavens go. Ooh. Yeah. There's a little Galileo (laughs) weighing in on the inspiration of scripture. Nice. Um, But that kind of explains why (laughs) Uh the whole realm of science is focused on visible creation. And what you get in scripture amounts to a few sentences. We get this a few introductory sentences that God is the God of creation, that he made all of it. And then immediately it zooms in on humanity and the story of humanity. And so I'll argue that the Bible is the story of God and humanity and that creation uh, is is barely mentioned at all. It kind of takes this like brief summary panoramic view. And and we as Westerners open it up and say, aha, (laughs) this is this is science. And um, this is, or it should is be. yeah, or it should be uh, when really it's not, it's not trying to do that or trying to speak our language. Yeah. Uh, and I think one uh, example that I'll mention real briefly as we close is this, uh, when you read about God creating an ex- expanse in the sky mm-hmm. um, and, and these examples where it's actually using the science, even if it was designed as a, as a scientific textbook, it's completely outdated because it's using the science of thousands of years ago mm-hmm. of their day and age. And so it spoke of God creating uh, the rakia, uh, which we try to translate as the expanse of the sky or the firmament or the canopy or a dome. We don't really know how to translate it. And if you, you have people, fundamentalists, who are reading that through the lens of science and saying, well, God created a water canopy. When it says waters above and waters below, what that means is God created a water canopy and they're off and running with a scientific explanation of what this ancient water canopy was. Uh, when really they're just talking about their understanding of the sky. Oh yeah, there's water up there because it falls down on us sometimes. Well, we that, know there's water up are. there. That's what clouds are. The totally. water is in the sky. Yeah, and so clouds. even if you ignored uh, sort of the, some of the genre of Genesis and tried to approach it as a scientific textbook, you'd still be dealing with, with science that's thousands of years written in the science of, of their day. Mm-hmm. Um, but ultimately, we, uh, we kind of have to, we would say there is no conflict between uh, science and Christian faith. There is a conflict between Christianity and atheistic uh, naturalism. Mm-hmm. Um, and that uh, one of the things that we would embrace about the modern conflict from the biblical side 
is that this modern controversy has actually, I think, forced us to read the scriptures a lot closer than we did before and, and kind of get into the original language and say, what did, you know, what did it say in Hebrew and what did this mean to the original audience? And so uh, ultimately, I think uh, there's a silver lining Mm-hmm. in some of the controversy and the ways that it's enhanced our reading of scripture. Um, but I think ultimately I would, I would end by saying uh, that Christians should not in any way abandon the sciences mm-hmm. uh, and instead they should pursue them with great uh, vigor and with great faith uh, to learn about God through what he has made as an act of worship to him. Which is what um, the founders did. Which is exactly yeah. the what fa- the founders, founding fathers did. Exactly science. what the founding yeah. fathers did. Uh, so, in closing, we would uh, commend those uh, whom whom God has gifted with uh, the love of God, but um, also the 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 love of science. And we would encourage you to uh, engage in the sciences uh, for God's glory and and your own joy. Uh, has has always been the case uh, over the centuries with uh, God's people. So any final thoughts as we close? I think we're way over time. Yeah. <laughs> uh, it's way too much fun. Yeah, fun, there's yeah. way too much here in the history. I'm just glad um, we get to do some more. Yeah, so. the next two episodes will be shorter um, <laughs> and probably a little more pointed. So what, where we'll go from here is um, the controversy over the age of the earth and the controversy uh, surrounding evolution and, and the origins of humanity. Uh, and I think there'll be hopefully a lot less content, more maybe more pointed. I, I think we'll uh, conclude with that. Uh, thanks so much for listening. If you actually made it this far, uh, wow, um, good, good for us. you. Yeah. Um, but thanks for listening. Uh, continue to send in your questions. And in honor of our friend Matt Karsh, I'm going to end with a blessing. Uh, this is from Romans 15. It says, May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing so that you may abound in hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. Thanks again for listening to the Q&A podcast. If you have questions you'd like answered, text in your question to 208-503-3865.